You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, everybody, check out the Break the Bell podcast, where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. For a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world mixed with a side of history, find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at Break the Bell Pod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Well, hello, Caleb. Good afternoon or uh, evening or morning or wherever, you know, anyone is listening to this. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, with you. it's, uh, it's basically airport rules now. Yeah, exactly. You know? Did, did you ever it's go 5 through 5 p.m. somewhere? That's, it, that's basically what it is right now. Did, did you ever go through like the, the day drinking phase during quarantine? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I actually did. Um, I, I did like a, a short little cleanse actually, which is a weird time to do it. Of all the times you chose <laughs> yeah, to abstain. Yeah. I, I mean like not now, but earlier in, in, uh, in, in the whole debacle whenever it, it seemed like the world was actually ending. Um, that's when I decide to do it. So, so maybe you know, there's something a little bit wrong with me. If if there is, that would that would certainly be what uh, what I would point to. I, I feel like of all the things I've kind of like lost sense of, it's been time, and uh, you know, with with everything that's been going on in just the last couple of weeks for me, now I'm unemployed. Now I'm at this point now where, for some weird freaking reason, my body is like deciding to wake up like be fully alert at like 5 a.m. And it's like, you know, for the first time ever, I don't have to be awake for anything, but somehow I'm able to be more awake and wake up earlier than ever before with almost no motivation to do so. Yeah, it's it's almost like this whole year, um, you, you know how like basically between Christmas and New Year time doesn't really exist and, and you just kind of go about and then all of a sudden, no, it's, it's the next year. That's basically been this whole year, I feel like. Yeah, and, and right now, to, to give folks some clarity, it's three o'clock right now. Uh, you're in you're in Texas, right? Yes. So is it is it two o'clock there or three o'clock there? Two. Yeah. Okay, we're we're doing we're we're, we're grown ass men, and we're doing <laughs> this in the middle of the day. And you know, misery loves company. Um, so many people I know are either out of work, or they're transitioning into another job, or they've been telecommuting for so long that they have forgotten what, you know, contact with people other than like, let's say their family or their roommate or their partner is. And, uh, pe- people are just getting strange. And, uh, one, one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on today is because you're, you're a fellow Liberty nerd like myself, you know, we're mm-hmm. kindred spirits in that. And the one thing that I wanted to do, um, when I, I left my, previous job was I wanted to just relax for a few days and -hmm. just watch nothing but old movies and binge watch (laughs) stuff on TV. But it got to the point where I started actually looking for shit to watch. And I feel like the guy in that episode of the twilight zone where he's just organizing all the books he wants to read for all of eternity. And right before he starts his glasses breaks and he can't read. 
has glasses <laughs> because as yeah. I looked through Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and uh, God knows what what other streaming service I've got, um, there there's nothing out there. And what is even more depressing for me is one, one habit I used to have, uh, you know, when I was out of work in in prior years was I was that I was that lonely guy that would go to see like a midday movie when like everyone else is out being productive human beings. And I would sneak in some little uh, mini, uh, mini things of Jack Daniels and like spike my right. soda when no one was looking. And now I can't even do that. Now uh, I don't know how it is in Texas, but here in Northern Virginia, right outside of DC movie theaters are open, but they're only showing like three or four movies a day and they don't start until like 4 PM. And at that point it's freezing they're not movies you want to watch and you've probably just seen them already two, three times already. Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty much, I mean, I, I think regardless of, of the laws or the restrictions that there may be just, you know, the industry as a whole hasn't been putting movies out. Um, so even if you're in a place with, that might have a, a little bit more lax laws, say, you know, you can open as long as you have a mask on or something like that. There's still not a whole lot to to capitalize on and to, to go out. I, Tenet was the only movie I saw all summer, which is just crazy to, to hear me say out loud because usually that's, you know, peak. I'm going every every other week. Um, but not the case this year. And, uh, and I, I think... Tenet and 1917 were actually the only two films I saw in theaters this year. I, I think I could stay the same because 1917 came out in like February. And I, I remember when Tenet came out. Actually, no, I saw I saw Bloodshot in theaters the day. Oh, that. yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember you. You uh, you really enjoyed that. right? Oh, my God. I freaking love that movie. Yeah, Everyone's, I never got to see it. Dude, it's 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 pretty good. Like it's. It's a good Vin Diesel action movie, and I have to say it's probably one of his better movies. And as I was literally walking out of the theater after watching Bloodshot, um, that was when all the announcements started going out that everyone needed to lock down and quarantine. Yeah. And then in June, July, I watched, uh, I watched Tenet, and then I also saw New Mutants, which I regret seeing. <laughs> I often regret going to see a movie, but when I'm like, I paid $15 for this shit, that, that really bothers me. And I mean, I saw, I have seen between July and last month, I have seen Tenet in every format for a total mm -hmm. of five times. I have seen it in 3D, I've seen it in 2D twice, and I've seen it in like that XD extra IMAX experience. Yes. And uh, don't get me wrong, I, I liked that movie, but it, it got to the point where it's literally it's literally just that. And then in like September, I, I don't know if this is a sign of just total desperation or not, but between September and October, I actually paid to go see movies that I have like at home sitting in a DVD cabinet. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched, well, I, mean, I watched scream the first scream from like 2000. And I, I think I watched Halloween, but it's, it's getting to the point where it's like that, that's what the options have come to. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's something special um, that is kind of irreplaceable about the movie theater experience. And right now there's a lot of talk about just doing direct streaming services and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, for, for some things that might work, but you can't replace the, the sheer joy 
and the immersion that you receive whenever you go see a, a film in theaters the way it was meant to be watched. And, and you know, it, Christopher Nolan, I think, to his credit, has really, like, stood his ground about this. Like, no, I made my movie for movie theaters. So we're going to play it in movie theaters, regardless of how many people go see it. And then it'll go uh, out on, on release on, on DVD after that. But the first experience that people are going to get with this is not just going to be a stay-at-home experience. Um, and and I, I wish more... Uh, more people and uh, more people in the industry would would kind of stand up and, and stand their ground on that sense. Um, but we're in we're in the current year, so. <laughs> what a so this movie's I'm sorry. So this episode, not this movie. This episode is going to come out um, on Christmas Eve, and on Christmas Day, I actually have tickets to go see uh, Wonder Woman '84 in theaters. And I, 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 you know, I, I made a big deal about it online because I'm so happy to see a new movie for like the fourth time this year. And people are like, well, it's going to be on HBO Max and all that stuff. And it's like, but that's not the freaking point. I think what you said is completely accurate. Some things were designed to be in theaters. But, but here's the other thing that I, I've really noticed because I find myself longing to go to the movie theater. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like sensory deprivation tanks. Have you ever done anything mm-hmm. like that? Um, not that specifically, but I, I think I, I kind of get, you know, you, get you, what you're getting at. You, you gotta, you gotta try one of those things. I know there's mm-hmm. some in Texas. I will find you a link. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go do one of those things and report back to me. But like, I, one thing I like about that experience is it's one hour where I just do nothing and I'm not around my phone. I don't have to work. There's nothing else that can distract me. And, mm-hmm. and I find that with a movie, you know, going to a theater, even when it used to be filled with people and shit, that was the one time where it's like from this time to this time, from when it starts to when it ends, it's just you and the film. And it's a much more intimate experience that you can't really get elsewhere these days because everything is trying to give you 20 different things at once. Well, you know, something that I keep, um, I keep thinking about a lot uh, during this, uh, during the pandemic and, and everything that's been going on, all the lockdowns and everything, um, even back during the uh, Great Depression, movie theaters were one of the few industries that actually experienced a surplus. They experienced really? you know, growth because because it was escapism. People would be able to go to a movie and just not think about their problems for two hours or however long the movie was. Um, and it was a nice little, uh, you know, escape into a fantasy world. Um, but now we don't even get to, to really do that. And I think that's, that's rather tragic. I think that a, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the real, uh, problems of, of the pandemic, um, haven't really stemmed as much from the, the virus, but it stemmed from as much more, I think I'm much more concerned about the, um, lack of, of socializing that we have uh, been doing and, and what kind of harm that's going to be doing um, to us as a, as a society. Um, because, you know, like you said, there, it, there is a, a special uh, feeling whenever you go into a theater, especially um, with certain event films. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget my experiences when going to see like uh, Infinity War or Endgame, or even going back to you know before we were 
<laughs> completely uh, cynical about the uh, the sequel trilogy uh, when we watch the first um, uh, episode seven, the the Force Awakens. That was a, a wonderful experience. Oh, that was, was when the world used to have hope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I remember and, people in that theater. I went to go to a Bowtie Cinema in in Annapolis with my girlfriend and her family, and every seat was taken. People were there mm-hmm. in costume. People were cheering. People were hoo haing and everything else. Like it was, it, it was fun. Yeah, and even if even if the the film itself, that film in particular, um, in my opinion, didn't stand the test of time as much as as much as uh, some of the other films may have that experience uh is irreplaceable oh you totally got a george lucas erection when you watched it the first time admit <laughs> yeah. it yeah no i mean it's like you know everyone was there they were it was a 10 year you know this was when we went 10 years without uh without seeing uh, any star wars content that seriously been 10 years it, it was 10 years to to the year oh to wow the i mean well i mean if you if you don't count the uh the mess of the clone wars movie that came out yeah we we don't talk we don't talk we, about that one yeah as as great and and i think the the finale of the clone wars tv show is star wars perfection that that like, made me cry like a bitch but it it did not have a a very smooth beginning, and I think it 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 almost made the finale better because it it kind of showed the growth um, of of that show. Uh, but but you know it was ten years at that point, and it was something special, uh, much like how when Infinity War came out, it was kind of the inverse. It was not ten years of absence, but it was ten years of buildup. And then you have these rich emotions, and I think you know Infinity War. Well, you know my feelings about that. Uh, it's it, it holds up much better than say The Force Awakens did. But uh, both both times you had people just just screaming in the in the movie theaters because did, did you the hear about the woman who died during? Did you hear about the woman who died at the end of uh, at the end of Infinity War during one of the first screenings in LA? I think I I think I do remember that actually. And this is something that could this is only movie magic. This is something yeah. that could only happen at a movie theater at the end of Infinity War, where basically Thanos wins. This mm-hmm. woman started screaming, "No, no, where's <laughs> Iron Man?" And she had yeah. a heart attack and she died in her seat. Well, I mean, I, I felt, I mean, I can sympathize <laughs> with that. You know, I, I definitely felt a similar, uh, a similar emotion at the end of that. But, uh, I, I mean, it's just my, my worry is so Regal is basically shutting down permanently. And I think the, the thing that caused that to happen was that, uh, Sony was not going to go ahead and release, uh, the new James Bond film, No Time to Die in theaters. And that was the last, like, you know, hole in the wall for for Regal Cinemas. So now yeah. we're just down to Cinemark. And the, the thing about Cinemark here is they're doing a lot of old movies, but there's still enough stuff coming out that is new, but no, stuff no one was asking for. And I'm talking like these indie art house films that were only getting like five to 10 people to see them during their first opening week. And now they're lucky yeah. if, you know, two or three people see them within a month. 
And, you know, part of me is like, oh, maybe this is a good time for that. Maybe we could focus on all these extra things. But at the same time, it's like, I, I feel like people are quick to give up on the movies. And with, with libertarians, to some degree, I feel like almost like there's this callousness towards it. Like, well, you know, if, if the market demands everything go to streaming services and everything is on demand at home, that, then it shall be. But it's like, you know, the, the problem wasn't movie theaters. Like, movie theater sales were on decline for a while. That's why they started changing changing thing. That's why they started, uh, you know, cleaning them up, making the seats more comfortable, having more food options, having more bang for your buck, because it's, it's a lot of money, but you yeah. know, it wasn't the movie theaters fault in terms of why they're closing down. It's because of all these stupid lockdown procedures, yes, and all these things. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was not the movie theaters fault. So this whole idea of, well, let the movie theaters die. You can watch wonder woman at home and shit like that. It's like just, you know that that is the situation, but let's not let's not confuse the cause at all. Right. Yeah. And and I I, I definitely welcome uh, the the advent of of more streaming content and and the the quality of streaming content improving because that was always kind of one of the the big like uh, yeah streaming's great but at the same time most of the shows that that are on streaming services are that are original uh, kind of suck. Um, and that hasn't been the case over the past couple of years. Uh, it's been really stepping up its game, especially now with with all the things after the Disney uh, investors meeting that they announced coming out on. on Disney oh, that was that was the, crack for the soul. The next three years or so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but you're you're absolutely right. This this isn't because the streaming services finally have have broken the back of the movie industry because. You don't have Endgame acquire so much money as it did last year to become the highest-grossing film ever, and and just say like, oh well, you know, the streaming services are are finally taking over. There's clearly something to be still said about the the movie-going experience, even if, um, you know, even if some of the other films that you might otherwise watch in the movie theater might be better suited for a streaming service. Uh, cause the, that is still a, a very powerful experience and it's something that connects us all. So, so the fact that, you know, these lockdowns are, are, are I, I don't think that the, I, I do think that, you know, the theaters will rebound at some point. Um, it'll be hard, but I, I am optimistic just because there is, just something irreplaceable about that that people are going to quickly realize um, as as these films uh, start to to debut on streaming services as well, uh, and it's something that, as I alluded to before, Christopher Nolan uh, knew wholeheartedly that like no, this has to be viewed at first experience through the lens of the of the movie theater. Um, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon, but I do think that, you know, they've been severely hurt probably more than most other industries, um, thanks to the draconian restrictions and, and lockdown restrictions uh, that have been imposed by several states. Um, have you ever been to an Alamo draft house? I... I don't believe I have, but I do believe I have seen them. Okay, so so the concept is basically it's like an old school movie theater, except you can mm -hmm. order food and you can get refills on drinks, and they bring everything to you. So you've got a table in front of you, so you can actually, have actually no, no.
I have. Yeah, I have. Uh, I, I watched some movie back in 2017, I want to say. Um, and I don't remember at all what that movie was, <laughs> but I do remember that specific tidbit of, of information about it. Yeah. So Al- Alamo draft house is where I go when I want to really celebrate a movie. And it's like, mm-hmm. if I'm, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not any more expensive than a film where they get you is with the food and everything. The food is expensive because if you're going to yeah. go to Alamo, order food, because if not, just go to a place of more comfortable chairs. It's a, it's a slight trade-off, but I went yeah. to go, uh, I went to go see Bill and Ted in <laughs> August with my, uh, with my father. And what sucked about it was like, that was the first week that Alamo draft house had opened back up. And we mm-hmm. really wanted to go see Bill and Ted there. And the problem was though, you had to order all your food in advance and it was there waiting for you in like little takeout containers and you were not allowed to order, uh, refills or anything. So that, mm-hmm. that really, that really kind of bummed it out because then what do you have? You have a smaller screen and shittier seating. Um, yeah. Eventually things did kind of change and I don't know whether it was because of the restrictions or the phase we were in or if Alamo draft house was just like, I don't give a fuck anymore. But I went to go see this terrible, terrible Nick Cage movie called jujitsu. Um, I saw it after. I, I I had no idea that dude. It is even had a movie uh, come out recently. I I will send you the trailer for it. It is the cringiest shit you will have probably seen from Nick Cage in a long time. It's basically Predator with ninjas and oh Nick gosh. Cage, but. Um, we, we went to go see it there and we still had to order our food in advance, but they kind of lightened up, you know, it was coming to you in an actual plate. You could actually order more stuff if you wanted it. And, uh, you know, what I I noticed about that was this movie had no fanfare. Almost nobody's heard of it. But there were like 30 or 40 people in the theater. And, you know, the theater probably fit, you know, 100, 200 probably. But, like, that was the most people I had seen. And and what I noticed was that I I think for movie theaters, especially for people that are, like, really into the cinema experience, uh, let, let, let me ask you this. Would you consider yourself an introvert, an extrovert? or an introverted extrovert? Um, I, I think it, it, I would consider myself more of an introvert, but I also think it kind of depends on the circumstance. Yeah, like, well, I've noticed just about people, people watching. So my yeah. amateur my amateur sociology backgrounds, just going to enough movie theaters. Movie theaters are where people go when they want a communal experience without the community. You know, I I, that, I think that is a, a <laughs> very. I've never put it together in that way, but that's uh, that's completely accurate. Because I mean, people were laughing. People were yeah would would like randomly crack a joke, and it wasn't just me and my friends I went with. Even though we had to social distance like every other seat and shit like that, like yeah, it, it's just one of those experiences where I think a lot of our culture has been taken for granted. Because you know, I I'm not a sports person at all but I found myself actually longing for sports to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I agree with that. Like I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat with you. I don't really care about sports. Um, but at the same time there is, it, it, it kind of makes you feel like things are going along the way they're supposed to be going along. Um, which is something I didn't expect, obviously, uh, whenever, whenever all this started happening. Um, certain things like that are things that I had, had no idea how much I actually appreciated uh, about them. Yeah. 
And uh, I think I think now I'm finally willing to talk about it. I've talked about it a little bit over at the Second Print Comics podcast with Mark Clare. But um, one thing I was really looking forward to was getting to return back to Marvel movies. I mean, we should have mm-hmm. seen Black Widow at least three, four times by now. At least. Oh, I, I definitely would have too, yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, that's the thing is that I think is going to be a big sleeper that movie, whenever it it comes out, I think people are underestimating it um, because it gives me strong, like winter soldier vibes and, and like mixed with a little bit of James Bond and just, well, well, that's the thing, man, that looks like, that looks like a better spy movie than no time to die. Mm -hmm. And no time to die. looks like it's trying to be more of like a superhero movie. It's just so weird. (laughs) Which, Which is, which is a funny little, Cross and and uh, you know with just the lore and you know how much I'm into universe building like there's there's a lot of things about that that I've been missing. Yeah, the, the thing that just bothers me the most right now is um, uh, Chadwick Boseman having passed several months ago. Um, I remember you and I texting back and forth when we got the news. I've never been impacted by the death of an actor so much in my entire life, except maybe Robin Williams. And, yeah, um, and maybe like Carrie Fisher too. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't as attached to her though. Like I knew her as Princess yeah. Leia, but that was about it. Yeah, but but like how, like you said, it's few and far between. Uh, that that I I struggle to find, struggle to think about any actor specifically. Maybe a musician, um, but definitely definitely not an actor that I I was impacted by that much. Yeah, and, and what bothers me about this, and I'm not going to go ahead and just blame the the mysticness of like 2020, but like you've got the death of Chadwick Boseman, you've got all the production for all these other movies and TV shows being put off, and what that leaves is that leaves people with a lot of time to kill, and mm-hmm. the thing that's been bothering me is the time that people are finding to start to pick at certain movies like Black Panther 2. Like, you know, Chadwick Boseman, regardless as to everything else that was going to happen, I'm almost certain that he would have died regardless. But now you've got people that, one, they're not going to recast the the role of T'Challa. So there is no T'Challa Black Panther anymore. And now, you know, there were a lot of people lobbying for Shuri. And I think Shuri would be a great Black Panther. My argument was not yet. I think I think we need some more T'Challa stories. But now you've got people going online because everyone has so much freaking free time now. And they're trying to freaking cancel the actress who plays Shuri. Because she put out like an anti-vax tweet or something yes. like that. And it's like, you've got, you've, you people, have, you, you, you have nothing fucking better to do. And there's like no fun in the world. And you're going to go ahead and just keep picking at the bloody wound of Black Panther? What the hell is wrong with you people? Sorry if you can hear this. There's a siren going behind me. Oh, we <laughs> so, talked about Black Panther. They're coming for you. Yeah, Run! exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, first of all, I, on the note of, of the announcement with um, them not recasting or anything, um, as much as I personally think that I wouldn't have done that if I were in Kevin Feige's shoes. You, you wouldn't um, have not recasted. I I would. I think that the the character of of T'Challa is much more 
uh, it transcends just one actor, even if that okay. one actor was so. So, so was we're on the same page. Powerful, yeah, yeah. Um, but and and you know, like you said, there there was much more story uh, that we needed to get into with him. I think. But I also know that um, uh, just to trust anything that Kevin Feige does at this point, um, even if it's something, it's not like Lucasfilm where it's like, you've made some pretty shaky decisions, so you've earned a little (laughs) bit of doubt in my mind. Um, Even though I think that recently, especially because they've secretly behind the scenes been giving more authority to people like Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau. Uh, which is what they really should have done from the beginning. But Kevin Feige is is just a, a mastermind with this kind of stuff. He understands how to do things tastefully. He understands how to do things um, and to to honor what has come before without um, without kind of sticking to it, which is something that the sequels really struggled to do. Do you like give nothing but unlimited fan service or, or do you just try to chart your own path? And I think they kind of failed at both of those because there wasn't a clear vision. Uh, whereas Kevin Feige understands very well how to, how to do both at the same time. So I, I think that Black Panther 2 will be unique and different. Um, I, how I'm do you not, have Black Panther without the Black Panther, though? Like, that's the yeah, thing. Like, now so, they're at the point where they're like, we're willing to explore it. And because the, the actress who played Shuri, you know, is no longer, uh, you know, socially acceptable. And I think she's an amazing actress. But, like, it's like it's just going to be Black Panther and name only. And it's like, listen, it's like having Indiana Jones with only Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. No one wants well, that. you know, with and and I think they're they're kind of exploring this a little bit more, you know, who who is who's picking up the mantle of these characters. They're doing this uh with um with Captain America, obviously with uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um and and I agree like there are some things that are certainly uh, makes me hesitant, um but also with with the way that Feige is is cracking open the multiverse like wide open, there are so many possibilities of how they can bring someone in to still technically be T'Challa. Um, something that I've been kind of hung up on is like they could, and and I could certainly see this happening um, if they wanted to, but they could bring in Michael B. Jordan from a from an alternate Whoa. reality to play T'Challa, and then Chadwick Boseman was Killmonger in his reality. That's that's too meta. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, I think people are just now getting on board of the multiverse. You do that, and like that's a that's a clever idea. I would yeah. I never thought of that, but even for me, that sounds trippy. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, it's like saying there aren't enough good black male actors. I mean, and this isn't, you know, recasting is not something that the Marvel Universe has never had before. We've had two Hulks. We've had, we had Norton and we had Ruffalo. We've had yeah, two, two roadies. Yeah, two roadies. Yeah. And uh, we've had two uh, Fen- uh, Fenril or Fendris, who, who was the guy who was part of the Warriors 3 from Thor. 
Oh, right. Yeah. Um, guy. He, he's Shazam now, but he was not the first. Zachary guy Levi. Yeah, Zachary yeah, yeah, Levi yeah. was Fendril in, uh, in Thor, the dark world and Thor Ragnarok, but even he wasn't the first one. The first one from the first. Thor right. Right. Recasting is not that big of a problem. And we've had like three, four Howard Starks alone. Um, I mean, Mahershala Ali, he played Cottonmouth in the Luke Cage uh, Netflix series, and now he's going to be Blade. And honestly, yeah. like, I Even am I don't think for that. I, I am too. I don't think that specifically. I, I think Kevin Feige is throwing that aside to like alternate realities uh, with the multiverse um, because it doesn't seem like he's trying to canonize those characters too much, at least not within the 616 continuity. Um, but you know, I, it it certainly would have been easy for them. Uh, I think this is a very like delicate situation that they're trying to tiptoe around. The yeah, thing because, that I mean, no one cried when Norton was recast. No one right, cried right. when, uh, Terrence Howard was recast with, right. with T'Challa. I mean, with, with Chadwick Boseman here, you have him for four films, including one of his own. And it's like, yeah, we had more time to deal with him. Yeah, his performance was great, but it's like, you know, I think the sign of of a good of a good film or just a good story is the ability to pass it on. That's why I'm not so mad about reboots and stuff like that because it gives mm-hmm. somebody else an opportunity to do something, unless it's Red Dawn from 2007, which was a <laughs> trash film. But like, um, you know, fan, with fan four stick. Oh my! Yeah, we. I, I I tried watching that on Disney Plus a few months ago, and I couldn't get a quarter way through it. It's that bad. <laughs> but like with with him, it's like it, it, there's. It, it's bad enough that this great actor has died in real life. Yeah. I almost feel like at this point, it's almost a double blow to kill a character who could otherwise be immortal. Now, like you know, you look at Iron Man for example. The guy hung on for like more than half of the Marvel movies. He had a complete story. When he died, yeah. I'm happy that, and even though apparently, spoiler alert, he's supposed to show up in a cameo scene for Black Widow because it takes place. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. allegedly. Allegedly. Like I'm not, all that stuff. I'm not entirely convinced about it, but, you know, it's also it, it, anything could happen. We're, we're going to have they, to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, Iron Man dies at the end of Endgame. That's okay. Like, I'm at peace with it. Yeah, because he had a complete story. Same thing with Captain America. Yeah, it's like with T'Challa, it's like they were setting him up. And I know everyone's like, no, they were setting up Captain Marvel to do all this shit. But it's like, no, it was it was really it was really Black Mm -hmm. Panther. So yeah, it's like you know the one to, that resonated with everyone far yeah, and, more and, than, than and, she did. So. And they're gonna and they're gonna kill him off screen. That's mm-hmm. so disingenuous. Yeah, I I personally think that um if if I were in charge, I would definitely recast, which I know a lot of people were saying, you know, we can't do this, he's the only one. Um the and people that were I, saying I would have chosen like recast a day after he died. That's a problem. It's been, yes, it's been a good number of months now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, um, I personally would have chosen um, the, uh, the actor in tenant um, John David, John Washington. David Washington. He would be freaking good because Chadwick himself has said uh, that Denzel Washington is like, what made Black Panther a reality and that being his son, it just feels like he's the only person who could have carried that mantle. 
Man, that is, that is, that is deep. Yeah. And I feel like that was a really missed opportunity for them. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I need to hear more about their plans. I mean, Ryan Coogler is still the one directing it. And out of everyone, I think he had the closest relationship with Chadwick. So I don't think he's going to do anything too distasteful or anything because he understands the legacy that he left. So given those circumstances, I'm, I'm still trying to remain open, even if some decisions I, I personally wouldn't make about it. Um, but we'll have to see. It's still going to be like two years at least away. So, yeah. Do, do you think when these movies start coming back in theaters that that's going to help actually bring people back to want to go see it in crowds? Because like, you know, I, I feel bad for movie theaters right now because there was a movie that came out like a month ago with, with Russell Crowe where he uh-huh. just, where he, it's like, he's an angry driver and somebody cuts him off. So he <laughs> like threatens to murder this person for like yeah. three hours worth of driving. Like no one's going to go see that. So like, they're not being given like the best options right now. And by the time people are listening to this, I'll be in, uh, you know, I'll be watching wonder woman in theaters with people. From what I checked, it looked like seats were selling out, but then again, it's like, you know, you buy one seat and you block off two next to you. It, it's not a good right. representation of that. But I think right. if anything is, going to happen you know with these marvel tv shows which i am excited about that's going to be cool for disney plus it's going to be cool for having good regular content out but i feel it's almost heroic in a way that like Endgame was the last big movie before all this shit happened and i think it's mm-hmm. going to have to take like you know maybe a black widow or something going to theaters or maybe another big marvel film to want to bring people back and have that experience I will say that I, I do think it is really smart uh, for for them to start with the kickoff phase four with Disney Plus um, in in the current environment because that you know we've had a year without any content whatsoever and then before we get our first movie uh, we're going to have I believe two if not three disney plus shows uh so wandavision winter soldier, Fal- Falcon, and then, winter soldier and then loki's supposed to come out in may but i'm not sure when loki looks uh, trippy loki looks amazing uh that is like it was kind of like a little bit lower tier to like i was kind of excited about it um but also it's like you already killed him off so what are we doing here <clears throat> but yeah. whenever I saw that trailer, I was like, man, you're, you're bringing in like uh, just some amazing possibilities. With did this. you notice, did you notice Owen Wilson? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. did not see that coming. Yes. Uh, that, that makes me very excited. Um, but it, regardless, I, I think that, it, you know, doing that is is very smart for them because it will build that anticipation that just a bunch of like trailers wouldn't be able to do. Um, and that, I think, will help get people back into the theaters by the time that Black Widow and, and certainly like things like Shang-Chi or The Eternals come around. Dude, you think Disney created COVID? It's I mean... It's possible. Really think about it. You have another (laughs) streaming service competing with all these other streaming services, and then you need people to be entertained. 
So now it's just Disney streaming and Baby Yoda keeping the world from one bad moment and turning into like the purge. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in seriously though, I, I do think that like as bad as as all of this has been, I think that there have been some silver linings with the entertainment uh, industry, in particular with Marvel Studios, because. Uh, a lot of people were getting worried, and I think that maybe they were starting to steamroll a little bit too quickly without having their plans fully thought out and fully fully realized. But now that they've had this year to re just look at everything again and make sure everything's top notch, I think the content that we will get whenever it eventually comes out is going to be better than anything that we could possibly have imagined. I, uh, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I'll take it a step further. I think entertainment across all mediums have been mm-hmm. put to this challenge because, I mean, what's like the only new song that came out in 2020? I, 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 I don't even know because I... <laughs> WAP. It was I, WAP. It was just that. It was oh, literally right. just you're that. Right. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It, it was it was just that, and apparently Billy Joel's uh, "We Didn't Start the Fire," uh, you know, is getting a, a a redone version by somebody. That was ironic when that when that was announced, uh, you know, during the summer. Yeah, I think but, I think yeah. the boys uh, definitely helped pump that, you know, up to the. <laughs> oh yeah, that was in the trailer. I forgot yeah. about that. Well, I mean, it was like he was very heavily featured. His music was heavily featured throughout the season, so. Okay, I need to stop being so conspiratorial about stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're they're for music. I mean, we we were we relaxed with music, and you would have thought that these great creative people would have had more free time on their hands to do shit. Uh, with the comic book industry, I think now things are starting to look normal again. Um, you know, ev- everyone is starting to get their books back and stuff, and there are rumors that AT and T yeah. for DC Comics might want to go completely digital in 2021. That's just a rumor right now. I don't think yeah. it's true. But like, um, you know, for for comic books too, I think you know Marvel Comics, which is you know for folks that are passive watchers of all this stuff. I I think Marvel Studios is great. I think Marvel Comics, the the publisher, is doing a lot of shit work. I mean, they they were just pumping out bad comic after bad comic after bad comic and half their stuff got canceled yeah yeah Yeah. um i think recently they've been putting out a lot of like really quality stuff like and when i say recently i mean like within the past several months um but before that it was mostly just oh you know kids like civil war when it came out so let's do civil war two you know without any real any real good idea about what that would look like. Um, but yeah, I, I agree for, for a long time that the comics were lackluster. At best. Um, did, did you, did you ever, did, did you keep up with like what was going on with like the new, new warriors? Uh, was, was that, uh, was that like that big controversy? When, <laughs> uh, like it was like snowflake and, what, what the other one was uh, snowflake safe space, safe space uh, fat yeah. mexican chick be negative <laughs> like it it, it was it, i think i think you know part part of me is like 
you know, at, at night when I'm having like my existential crisis, I've been wondering like, was the pandemic sent by God for something good? And like, I think the pandemic may have killed the new New Warriors from ever being published. Uh, it got, it was supposed to come out in March, then it got pushed to April, uh, then it got pushed to July, and now it's just pulled completely. So that's yeah. dead. And then there was their Empire event, which was their big event for 2020, and it was right. just a massive gay alien wedding. And you know, it was 90 <laughs> books that were all like ten dollars each, and you know, no, I don't know, I don't know a single person actually read it. Yeah, and it's I like think... you know, they took people for granted when everyone had money. Now that you know, people are more careful about what they're spending money on. It's like I want to actually make sure I'm getting something good out of this. Yeah, I think um, you know, at the end of the day, they're still a business, and I think they are starting to realize that the like super woke like trend of 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 putting everything like that into comic books isn't going to be as profitable as they thought it was um, and maybe not pull back completely from it. But I, I think that they're starting to realize like that's not necessarily the future. And you can, you can also kind of see this uh, in Marvel studios as well, because for a long time uh, leading up to it, uh, you know, you had Feige and, and company going like, yeah, Captain Marvel's the future and she's the strongest Avenger and now she's like, they're like, well, actually, it's Wanda, uh, which <laughs> I think is much more appropriate. I think that's uh, I, I would like that a lot better. Um, and 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 they are starting to and, and honestly, that's how uh, any good business should behave is reacting appropriately uh, to to what their consumers want without kind of like spoon feeding them like, Oh, you want, uh, Oh, you liked Palpatine. Well, here's Palpatine in the empire or in, uh, in, in the rise of Skywalker. And Oh, you liked, uh, you like the Jedi's well, we'll, we'll put them in, in a voice, uh, voice cameo in, at the end of it. Like that kind of stuff is just blatant fan service and, and not what people are actually wanting. But with, with, with the way that I think, Certainly, uh, Marvel Studios, and and to some extent, uh, even though they have a much longer road to walk <laughs> uh, with Marvel Comics, they they're starting to realize the same thing. Yeah, I did. Did you see? Did you see Captain Marvel? I did. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. I did too. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was a, a, a fine movie, uh, certainly worthy of like placement within the MCU. Yeah. When you I, compare it to the likes of like Endgame and, and Infinity War, it's it's clearly which it was like sandwiched right in between. It's clearly going to be a little lackluster uh, for a good reason. But I thought like especially if if you look at it as like a Phase One movie, because that's really what it was. Um, then I th- I thought it was perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and I mean it was it was a I'll say it was a good movie. And in terms of Marvel films, like the reason why I'm not a fan of Doctor Strange and Iron Man is because I'm sorry, Doctor Strange and Ant Man is because they just felt like redone versions of Iron Man. Whereas with Captain Marvel, it felt like a like I actually had to wonder, oh, what are they actually going to do next? Mm-hmm. And it's like if they had built it like that. 
I think it would have done better. I think more people would be more open to Brie Larson and the character of Carol Danvers going forward. So I feel kind of conflicted because I know how they marketed it and I know how they treated it. And then when the products came out, it's like the product is so good. Like it's not amazing, but it's a genuinely good film. Why didn't you just leave with that? Yeah. Yeah. um, And, and I think, I, I think in, in the future, we're going to definitely see, I, I personally think that they should just lean into completely like the, how, how, how little people actually like Carol Danvers currently and just make them hate her uh, and then have a sort of redemption story for her. Um, or, or make her do something, put her in a, a complex situation to where she's going to have to become a better character and a better person. Um, because that's, honestly, that's kind of what they did, what Dave Filoni did with um, Ahsoka, uh, is when she came out, like, people hated her. And that's exactly the reaction he wanted, because he can control why people hated her and show character development and show growth. I think it's a little bit, it's not exactly a one-for-one scenario, but I think they should do something similar uh, with with Carol in the MCU. Yeah, and and I mean, with with Carol, she just kind of came out of nowhere, whereas with like Wanda and Black Widow, and I think think it kind of sucks that Black Widow has to die to finally get like a prequel film to something. Yeah, I agree. But like with Wanda, like... You know, she had kind of a bumpy start with uh, with Age of Ultron, but like with her, it feels more natural, especially when you take into account that she really got played up pretty well in Civil War, uh, despite being really a secondary character in that. And then in Infinity War, it, it, it she felt oh, more she solid. Had, she had the most like I think she had the most heartbreaking scene uh, in that movie, aside from maybe the the Spider Man scene at the end. Um, because that was a, a real genuine connection uh, and just being forced to relive Vision's death twice <laughs> in a matter of moments. Uh, like, Don't make anyone he, go crazy. He, he, like Feige really understands how to handle Wanda. And I think that's, that's a strength that they are fully capitalizing on especially going into into WandaVision here here soon. To to kind of pull everything together, uh my my big worry going into the post-pandemic America and with uh with Joe Biden coming in obviously the day after he's inaugurated COVID will magically go away. Um Correct. Yes. <laughs> I I I'm excited because we're going to get a lot of the stuff that you and I love. We're getting a lot of a freaking ton of Marvel entertainment stuff. We're getting a ton of DC films. We're getting a lot more Star Wars content, which I'm excited about. The only caveat is you're going to see a lot of the entertainment industry across the board, you know, as we mentioned, comics, music included, but particularly movies and TV, they're really seeming to lean on stuff that's reliable. I mean, we're getting another Walker, Texas Ranger, apparently, and God knows who asked for that. Right. But like, yeah. if we if we were complaining about no new original content for the last couple of years, nobody's bringing up really any original content going into 2021. Do you see that as a pro or a con or something that we're just not paying enough attention to? 
Well, um, I, I, you know, I, I see a little bit of both. Um, I, I definitely think just for, for the sake of like the entertainment industry and, and making sure that it can, and re, it can rebound like fully and appropriately in a way that works. Um, I think it's smart for them to rely on the reliable stuff as long as they make it make the reliable stuff original and interesting um, and not just kind of like rehash things lazily. Um, but I, I do think that once that is rebounded, maybe not next year, but, but certainly in the near future, that, that, that notion that, you know, Hollywood doesn't make anything original. I think a, a lot of directors have been kind of taking that seriously and almost like a challenge because in 2019 we had some of, in my opinion, that was like the best, year for film in a long time in a long time yeah and you had some really good originals come out um once upon a time in hollywood was amazing i literally Uh, watched that this morning it is such a good movie um knives out which is really funny because it came up from ryan johnson but a really good whodunit uh, that came out last year and I would be so happy to, to watch that again. It's almost like that was his apology movie for the last Jedi. <laughs> it, it was genuinely good. And I'll admit I yeah. did not go see it in theaters, but I watched it at home when it was on demand. And yeah, I, same, same. You could me. not tell me, you could not tell me that was the guy that did the worst star Wars movie ever made. Yeah. He, I, I fully think that he, he may not admit it, because I think he's a little bit too prideful for that. But I think that like that was him learning from his mistakes from the last Jedi and making a really quality film Uh, because the way, the way he, he wrote that movie, it was basically um, subversion done right. And that's, that's the way it should be. Um, So I, I do think that there are going to be more people who kind of look at that as a challenge and say, well, let's, let's make some, some new originals. It might not come out next year. Um, But I am a little hopeful that, uh, that it, it will be coming out eventually. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you see, uh, did you see Ford versus Ferrari? Uh, that actually wasn't one that I, I went to go see, but I heard a lot of really good reviews from it. Oh man, that, that was okay. So I'm like you, I did not see that in theaters just because it was not showing in my area. But then when it came out on TV, I think I watched it in like the month of June, like at least every day for like three, four days. (laughs) I mean, Matt Damon, uh, Christian Bale give some of the best performances of their careers. And I mean, it Mm -hmm. was, you know, movies like that. I think it's going to be a long time before we see a Knives Out or uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or even... Um, or, or even like a Ford versus Ferrari, because for those films to exist, you've got to have the the, the environment ready for yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Maybe I. The only thing I would say is maybe I'm a little bit more hopeful that it would be maybe sooner than what you're uh, thinking. I think because oh, if I had it my way, it'd be right freaking now. Yeah. Well, Nobody's doing yeah, shit, man. It's snowing here. It freaking sucks. <laughs> Well, I, I do think it will come out a little bit sooner, though, um, because I think that there the the pieces are in play and they're just kind of waiting to happen at this point. Um, but it, it will be probably a little bit before we do get to see it, but it will come out eventually. I will straight up like drink a COVID vaccine if that's required to go see a movie in theaters. 
otherwise yeah, I'll never yeah. take it. But that's, like, I, I just my, want, I just want my life back. That's, that would be the biggest selling point for me. It's like, you can't, you can't come into, to watch, uh, to watch these movies without, without the vaccine. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, I guess, I guess that's that. I guess the decision has been made. <laughs> I guess it has been made. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Caleb, uh, this has been a great hour. If anyone wants to keep up with you and all the stuff you do, how could they do so? Uh, yeah, the best way to do that would just be follow me on Twitter at Caleb Franz. All right, folks, well, go follow him everywhere. I'll go ahead and include that in the show notes. Please go ahead and do me a quick favor. Costs you nothing but means everything to me. A five-star rating and review on iTunes would go miles and help the show in these conversations keep going further and further and further. As always, you can follow me across Al Gore's amazing internet at HeyRemso. You can find me on Parlor at Remso. And uh, as always, be safe, be good, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Check out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.